Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Jess Messen Broadcast is hosted by Jess Fole, a visual artist from Baltimore, Maryland. Jess invites those who've inspired her to recount their tales of becoming professional artists and creators. Through sharing memories and stories, Jess and her guests relive experiences, discuss new projects, and foster new ideas, all while making sense of this crazy pop culture world we live in. Tune in weekly for a variety of guests ranging from musicians, designers, artists, and entrepreneurs who are actively creating the world around us. And now, it's time for Jess Messen Broadcast with Jess Full. Hi, everybody. This is Jess Full, and thank you for tuning in to Jess Messen Broadcast, coming to you live on Lions Network Radio, um, coming to you from my studio here in Baltimore. And I'm so excited today because I have one of my, probably one of my more influential friends and collaborators, photographer Michael Weintraub, with us today. We've worked together for many years, and just a little background on him two decades of navigating in the music business and transforming the storytelling of image. Photographer Michael Weintraub's work spans all aspects of the industry. Created in the field where he has shot over 5,000 artists in concert or in his Brooklyn studio, Weintraub's work covers everything from advertising to editorial needs, showcasing the live element of performance and conceptual campaigns of portraiture, like his Instrument Head series, which is now over 400 artists strong. Um, major exhibitions include <clears throat> he's been hosted in Spain by the U.S. Consulate in New Orleans during Jazz and Heritage Festival, and he's uh, been part of the Newport Jazz Festival for many years and is actually in the middle of um, a trip and a tour right now. Hey, Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. Are you hey, there? Jess. Hey, I'm bye. here. Can you hear me? Yes. So where are you right now? I'm in New London, Connecticut, at a place called the Hygienic Art Gallery, where we're preparing for our opening tonight of my Instrument Head show. Okay, so tell us about Instrument Head. So for those who are just tuning in for the first time, and try to explain to them what it is, in your words. Well, basically, if you go to instrumenthead.com and click on About, there's a video that kind of shows what I've been up to. You can watch it. But this is a personal project that I've been working on since 2008, but it's actually an 18-year-long project because the first one of these portraits I shot in 2000 when I was a house photographer at the Aggie Theater, the Derek Trucks band were backstage, and the bass player came down late to the shoot, and he had his bass, and I said, do something crazy. I don't know. Put your bass down your shirt, and he did. So that became a thing that I would do. It would be like a musician has a lick. That would be one of my licks on photo shoots. So basically, when I would do shoots with these bands, I would say, cover your face with your instrument. And they'd say, oh, you're crazy. I'd say, just do it. Like an icebreaker, kind of? Like, just to, like, kind of, like, ease the mood? Yeah, basically. So it would just be something that I would do in the shoot to kind of create some emotion or create some kind of excitement in a guy just standing there with his instrument. Fast forward to eight years later, I'd been living in Brooklyn, New York. I moved there from Colorado in 2003. I'd been shooting in the studio. 
Um, some of these images ended up on album covers and then album packages for people like Carl Denson and George Porter Jr. from The Meters. I walked into a bookstore and saw a book called The Disciples that a photographer named James Mollison had done. He mm-hmm. photographed portraits of fans of bands, and the, pre- the premise of the book was to guess what band they were the fan of. Dolly right. Parton fans had blonde hair and cowboy hats. Willie That's Nelson fine. fans had braids. ZZ Top fans had beards. I thought that was so cool. Jimmy How Buffett can I fans a are with the music? Jimmy Buffett fans margaritas. had skirts and Paris <laughs> Kiss fans had their face painted. Right, right. And I thought that was so cool, and I said, well, how can I create a guessing game with the musicians themselves? And that's when the Instrument Head Project was born. Right. And so, so when so I, I, I went on to shoot, I went on to shoot to date almost 600 people, and I would say to the musicians, how do we tell your story? What is it about you that makes you special? So what would happen is, is they would show up with relics from their past and their instruments or the clothing that they're known for. And I would shoot all these normal portraits of them. The instrument head would be a vessel to get them there. So what would happen is I would take an honest portrait of people with their possessions that they love. In the entertainment business, stylists and makeup artists are brought in to create an illusion. So I think that photography is about telling stories. So I'm able to use these portrait shoots to actually try to get to the essence of who some of these artists are. Well, that's definitely one thing about you that, I mean, even early on when you and I started working together, which is a funny story in itself, but when I would come to you with ideas for for my photo shoots or for my headshots, I mean, case in point, when you came down to Baltimore and I had built the CD wall, you know. That was so fun. That was fun. That was the first studio in Baltimore. Um but, you know, the idea, when I explained it to you, you were like, I really kind of can't visualize what you're talking about, but I'll trust you, and then we'll figure it out. And you came in, and we had the projector going and stuff, and you really did, like, acclimate, you know, to what my vision was as, like, the artist and completely portrayed that into photography, which was kind of, you're really one of the first photographers that I've met along the way for me that has really honored that for me and my vision and was like one of the reasons why I recognized your work to begin with. Cause even when I felt like, you know, um, so a little background on Michael and I, when I was working, when I first moved to New York city, I had a whole host of ridiculous jobs. And one of my most favorite was working in the coat check at Irving Plaza. And I think Michael and I, I remember that. Met, yeah. And I think we might've met, before on jam cruise i was trying to figure this out today um when i did jam cam with tea leaf green or not with tea leaf green but i was on jam cruise with jam cam but that probably was like a brief situation or maybe that's how i i don't remember but we officially met when i was I working at irving Plaza. the kochak yeah and you came up with your camera gear and you were going to see a show and you came to my window and I was like, yeah, man, no problem. I'll make sure your camera gear is real safe. Cause I knew who you were. <laughs> and I was like, That's I was cool. totally thrilled. I was totally thrilled. I was like, and I totally tried to like hand you my business card and was like, someday I'm going to work with you, man. Look, now we're friends. Ten and years we later. did, we went on to do those portraits in the Chelsea hotel, remember? And we did the, um, pop rocks thing in Baltimore where you painted my photographs and we hung them at the gathering of the vibes festival. And you actually, for those of you guys listening, Jess was one of the first people 
to print my photographs for me that I had in my first exhibit at Bimbe in 2010 in Brooklyn because she worked for a printer at the time. So it's so cool to see everything you've accomplished and, you know, we're still on this path and, you know, it's been great to like see you grow also as artists. So, you know, good I appreciate on you. that, but thank you. No, I mean, that's like, I think that's why one of the reasons why I'm so invested in instrument head and like, just so proud of you and what, you've done with this work because I remember you know I was working at the print shop at Republic National and I was doing making graphics for Heineken and Absolute and literally printing off their like weekend beer discount signs on vinyl and was using the print shop you know to my benefit late night and printing all my ideas into this like extra large capacity because Obviously, I wanted to get as much attention early on as possible, and I was like, the bigger I make it, the better. And that was how I took the little artwork for my first show in New York City and my first art show ever, um, Pop Rocks, and, you know, blew up those collages to be ginormous. And I came up with the idea that I wanted to – well, I painted that image of um, Eddie Hazel, and I gave you one, too, I can't remember which one it was, but I painted a bunch of like David Byrne and like, like these old iconic images. And um, I was like, oh, this is such a dope idea, but I'm totally going to get sued. And then I was like, I'm going to hit up Michael Weintraub and see if I can paint his photography. And I straight up sent you like a Facebook chat message, like long before um, that was even really a big thing. And we talked about the idea and you sent me some, you know, low res images and I did some designs and it was like, we were kind of off and running. And that was really the start of a lot of like the connection for you and I, which was really fun, was you know? And, you know, so then when instrument head really started to happen, we applied all like that kind of stuff to your project. And now to see it in this gorgeous book and, you know, you touring with it like crazy is just so exciting. So this weekend, tell us what you're up to this. You have a show tonight. Yes, right. I'm in New London, Connecticut at the Hygienic Art Gallery. Tonight is the opening. It's going to be a three-night event. Tonight, Paul Nelson from Johnny Winter's band will be performing in the gallery for the opening. There's 24 four-foot-tall pieces. I'm showcasing my book that I printed in Italy. We won Most Outstanding Design at the Ippy Awards last year, which this is the is Independent gorgeous. Book Publisher Awards. And I actually started my own publishing company, and crowdfunded the book and created this whole thing on my own with the help of some very smart people. Um, There's 366 different portraits in the book. There's three different types of paper and there's actually three different covers. So if you know, I I was incredibly impressed when I saw this book. Like I was like, thank you so much. Yeah, one of the best photography books I've seen, for sure. Like, and I think it's interesting. Well, like, you know, you figure you work on something your whole life. Um, you, right. you know, most creative projects, I think people will do 90% of them, and they, they go downhill for the last 10%. So I really try to work really hard to actually finish it, what I started, and not to be the boy who cried wolf. And, you know, these things take 100%. time. And timing is everything. And I think if you trust your instincts and you – you know, you stay on the path, like, you know, if you're sitting on the bench long enough, eventually you become a starter. So I'm really proud to be here in New London. Um, tomorrow night, we're going to have another great show outside in the art park. They've got this beautiful outdoor venue 
with a giant plexi roof that's like 40 feet high. So even if it rains, which it's not going to, you can still nah. see a show and stay dry. Um, Christine Ullman will be performing in her mm-hmm. band, Rebel Montez. She's the singer from the Saturday Night Live band. Yeah, I love Saturday her night, image in the gonna, book. She's super cool. And then on Saturday, we have members of the band Deep Banana Blackout, as well as the band Turquoise and Eric Bolivar, who's a friend of both of ours, performing. It'll be a big funk jam, and it's really great, too. Kind of wish I was at Buzz that party. <laughs> Fuzz and Benj and Cy from Deep Banana, I used to work with their band in the late 90s, and one of my first uh, magazine covers was for Polestar Magazine, and they were on it. So it's so great to be working with those guys and to be able to have them portrayed in my book that I published and for them to come out and support and perform. Um, it's amazing, so I'm super proud to be here. Yeah, and so after that, you're headed to Lock-In Music Festival, which I know a lot of people listening will be in attendance. That's this weekend, right? Or next weekend? This the weekend of the 23rd. It's next weekend, okay. and we are going to be decorating the VIP area for CID Entertainment to create some cool ambiance for their VIPs at the festival. So I'm really Very excited cool. about that. Very cool. So let me ask you, there's a couple of things that like, just as far as you being my buddy and kind of like some arty stuff that you and I talk about, because one of the, like one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this show was to kind of give people an insight to like what it's kind of like for artists to drive and, you know, talk with each other about certain stuff. And um, I kind of had a, you know, I know that you and I have gone in depth about this, but there's a couple things like the other day, I want you guys to know that Mike, one of the reasons why I look up to Michael is because, and he's been such a wonderful mentor to me is because kind of whenever I like lose my bananas and I need to be like talked off the ledge, like he always says something like super prolific for me to be like, yo, that's so true. And I think that's just so neat that when you, you know, when you can have a friend, like that's seriously someone that's like your friend and you look up to them creatively and then, you know, you get like these tidbit reminders. I mean, that's just like, the most educated, like, it's like a really like worthwhile, you know, relationship. And so the other day we were on a thread and Michael put up this comment that was like, I think as an artist, the worst thing you can do is believe what people say about you. I think you are only good as your last interaction. And I was like blown away by that. And I really spent some time thinking about, you know, interactions I've had with people personally, professionally, like their perception of me, like as an artist first and, you know, all that good stuff. So I wanted to ask you like really how, what your experience was, like how you learned this lesson. Like, I think you are only as good as your last interaction. Was there an experience that made that obvious to you? I mean, there's, I mean, a lot of experiences, you know, I always try to treat people really, good and treat them the way that I want to be treated and coming up in the music business especially as a photographer you're at the low end of the totem pole and you don't get a lot of respect and you know the the music agents and the promoters who are running the shows there you know a lot of them are super cool and a lot of them are not and you know when someone's not nice to you when you're an artist it hurts your feelings you know so you have to have thick skin and you need to learn that you, you need to be yourself no matter what and stay true to stay true to yourself. And I believe that, you know, if people say that you're brilliant and you're the greatest artist of all time, or if they say you're the worst artist of all time, don't believe either of them. You know, right. you know who you are and just yeah, do your and, thing. 
And then if you're trusting your instincts, things will go well. And you notice that a lot of, you know, for instance, I lived in New York and there's a lot of uh, photographers there who might have been the first or second assistant for a really famous photographer. And they started, they went out on their own and they won't pick up their camera unless they get a big day rate. Well, I believe you have to just go out and do your work to let people know what you can do. And, um, and just treat people really well because you don't ever know like if, what space someone's in or where they're coming from. And, um, you know, for instance, I, I was at this Newport jazz festival the other day and the woman from new Belgium brewery said, Hey, go by our tent and we'd love to give you a beer. And so I'd been in the exhibit all day talking to people. My blinders were up. I really, I kind of went up there and got in line and I got a beer from them. And then there was a woman who was standing right behind me who'd been waiting in the rain for a beer, and I cut in front of her by mistake. And she said to me, she goes, oh, you're just going to cut in front of us. Why would you do something like that? Like, we've been waiting here. I said, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it. Would you like my beer? And she said, no, I don't want your beer. She just wanted to yell at me. And then right. so, and I tried to apologize again. And then I said to her, I go, I bet you're like this to a lot of people. And I bet these types of things happen to you a lot. And I walked away. <laughs> Dude, I and love I, being, I love being around you when you do that. Because uh-huh. it's like, uh-huh. so the look well, on your face is just like pristine. Well, like you, you have you this Southern. You can only be so nice for so long, you know. It's like this, it's like a, it's like 50% Southern, your Southernness, and then like a Brooklyn, like New York, like knife twist. And it's the most beautiful thing. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm, just laugh saying, so like, hard. I'm just saying, you know, um, if you're getting accolades as an artist and winning awards and selling your artwork for a lot of money, you know, just remember where you came from because, you know, there's always someone who's behind you waiting to take your place and you see the same people on the way up as you do on the way down. So if you try to treat people with kindness all along the way, you won't have problems. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I think, you know, it's really hard with, especially like the, the early part of a creative career because it's so stressful and the churn to make enough money to make it happen and to keep it going and to also keep up with the expectations and the perception of what people are like, what do you mean? You're so successful, you know, all that good stuff to keep that going. And I mean, really right on paper, land. it looks like I'm, I am successful. There's a difference between being successful and being rich. Well, I you think know, so a, a lot of people put those two together, but yeah, I believe that, or accomplished. you know, if you're you know, a teacher, I think a friend of mine, Right. A friend of mine said to me one time, he's a, he's a music teacher and he's a musician and he's been in a, a struggling band for a long time trying to quote, make it in a really unmakeable world unless you hit the mm-hmm. lottery. And he's, and he's, I'm talking to him, I go, do, do you think you're successful? He goes, no, I don't think I'm successful. I go, well, how many students do you have? He goes, I have 25 students. I go, how long have you been teaching them for? He says, six years. I said, you've made a difference in these people's lives, right? He said, yeah. I go, well, you're successful. That's success. Right. If you can help someone or inspire someone, like you're you're doing right by them. So I believe that that's what it, that's what it's all about. And for me, you know, the fact that I got to share space with all of these musicians that inspire me, and now I'm on the road doing these exhibitions and teaching people as to who they are, is really gratifying. You know, well, um, that's, everybody that's really you how know I the felt song like... Lowrider by War, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the harmonica solo that's ingrained in your brain? Do you know who was the guy who shot it? No. Exactly. Lee Oscar from War. So 
I'm bringing this all back around because we were talking about my book, and that's the point of this book is the sidemen, the people behind the music, the people that, you know, made this music that, that you've grown up listening to. So um, I'm just continuing to roll the dice and do these exhibits and go on the road and try to treat people good and try to educate people and have some fun in the process. Well, I think that's like, you know, definitely one of the things when, you know, you and I definitely partnered up and I was living in New York and I was building these relationships with, you know, and friendships with musicians and artists. And, you know, that was no more my plan, you know, really than the man on the moon. I, I wanted to absolutely be a part of it. I, you know, but I never thought I would be part of the talent. And, you know, once that started to happen for me, you know, I was I was all in. Because I, you know, I really find, like, a great, like, sense of pride and peace with, like, creating art. And, you know, also, you know, I feel like I'm just at the point where I've been able, you were saying about sharing space with these musicians. Like, I have really learned so much from all of you guys, you know. And, you know, for the most part. Well, we've learned a lot from you. Like, you're, you know, same thing. (laughs) That's sweet, but thank you. Um, but like you know, and when and you got you know all of you taking me and bringing me in and taking me under your wing and really kind of bringing me into the rock and roll music industry fold and looking back on it, kind of very well protected, really. And you know, so you know, it was awesome to be able to like learn about that environment from people who have already experienced it and the fact that you were willing to share that. When was it? When you were, I mean, was it in like the first 10 years of you being a photographer after you were studying and whatever, like that you started feeling like you got that feeling like, okay, I'm, I can do this for real. Like it was no longer a question in your mind that it was. When I was in, when I was, when I was in college, you know, I never really took a formal photography class. I got into photography because I loved music. I grew up listening to the Grateful Dead and Widespread Panic and I was a in fish and all of these jam bands and I was a big musical fan. And so the music is what brought me to the photography. And I remember I was, that's what brought me to the art too. Right. Exactly. So we're, we're the same in that respect. And I was um, photographing concerts and I was in my marketing class. I did have a degree in technical journalism from Colorado state. And we had a, we had to design a mock business brochure and the name of my business was called groove photography. And, um, I, it was a business to photograph musicians in concert and portraits for promo and album covers. And, you know, that name actually stuck for six years until I was in new Orleans one time. And this, um, this, this guy, Kochima Gasolum, who's a saxophone player for the Dab Kings came up to me and said, Hey, groove photographer on the street. And I realized I said, that's the worst name in the history of business. And I need to just do my own name. But you asked about the one moment. In 2001, I photographed Ray Charles, or it was 2000, at the Paramount Theater in Denver. And I got this photograph of him where he's hugging himself in the front of the stage where it looks like a portrait. And people said to me that was the, one of the greatest live music photos they've ever seen and of one of their favorite people. And I thought, wow, I can do this. And I came up at a time before digital, um, you know, when there weren't that many photographers shooting these concerts, I think I'm the last generation of photographers to actually own their celebrity photography, own their work. Um, Mm -hmm. I was photographing all these events in Denver and Boulder. 
I went on to become a house photographer at Red Rocks Amphitheater. But in 2000 to 2003, I was shooting bands like Kiss and Tina Turner and Ray Charles and Billy Joel and Elton John and U2. And I was getting published in Rolling Stone magazine. And I was shot the first Bonnaroo, 10 Bonnaroos for Rolling Stone. You know, and that was kind of my dream was to be a Rolling Stone photographer or uh, yeah, you for know, sure. Or a landscape photographer would want to be a National Geographic photographer. Yeah, but, totally. You know, I went on to realize that there's so many people who want these jobs that these big corporate meccas can take advantage of these content makers to get really good work and not really pay them. You know, my biggest dream. One hundred percent. So I, I was published in Rolling Stone 30 times, and I was still broke. And I realized, wow, I need some new dreams. It's as if. Um, you know, all these photographers are artists. Everyone's trying to climb to the top of a mountain. You know, along the way, you get photo credits. You can't pay your rent on photo credits. And you get Mm-mm. to the top of this mountain, and you realize there's no view. You need a real mountain. And you've got, nowadays, you have these photographers running around these events with $30,000 worth of camera gear strapped to their body, and they're getting paid basically nothing to shoot these events and have to do daily deadlines. And the problem is, is they're doing really good work which means that the market is gone. So if I, you know, I had a job from 2008 to 2011 probably in in the jazz world, one of the best paid photographer jobs in the <laughs> jazz world, traveling around, shooting, you know, Paris and Barcelona, mm-hmm. these jazz festivals around the world. And now, you know, the value in it's gone down. That's why I had to reinvent myself and start doing these exhibitions and selling artwork and doing talks and, and things like that because you have to kind of find your own voice as an artist. You know, I believe that well, we I copy think reinvention, people. Yeah, I you, mean, go ahead. I said you, originally you, you decide you're good at something, you copy who inspires you, you get really good at it on your own, and then you eventually find that your voice and what you want to do. And I think that is the key, and, and that road is like a great journey to be on. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, you know, and I, and it doesn't even artistically or professionally in like whatever field, I mean, if you are this amazing surgeon or whatever, I'm, you know, there's someone that came before you medically that, you know, you look up to and you want to emulate their successes or, you know, whatever they're about, the, the things that you relate to, and then you apply it to yourself and grow and, you know, make it your own. And, you know, with, the concept and, you know, you and I have talked about this, you know, to some degree, and it's something I'm very vocal about is the concept of the, what an artist is supposed to do with their work, what it's, what the, like the, the grand scheme of how it's supposed to be done and really how, you know, at least for me as a visual artist, the way it's supposed to work for me. And, you know, we can talk about my coasters as an example is like, I'm supposed to wait until I'm 60 to commercialize my artwork and then get paid for it. And frankly, I'm trying to live my life now and explore as much artwork and make as much artwork as I possibly can. So if I can create something to put on coasters today, specifically to put and commercialize today to make money so I can explore art and get better at art, then to me, that is creative and artistic in itself. 
you know, to like create that possibility and to reinvent that, to invent that possibility for yourself. Like I'm not going to, and I never did, you know, and I mean, I remember when I did my first show in New York and you actually took your photography down at Sullivan Hall and I hung mine up. Remember you were like, who's this girl coming in here to get your stuff has been up forever. And you know, what? Go ahead. No, and it was just funny because that was, you know, an opportunity that I had created for myself through the connections and stuff that I had made. Like, I had no intention to create paintings and, you know, hope for the best and find a deli I could hang them up in. You know, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever, but, like, I had had, like, a whole slew of other connections and networking and stuff that had transpired. So that seemed like the appropriate vessel for me. So I created that opportunity. Yeah, it was so fun. Um, And so I think that's just like such an important thing. I talk about it regularly and I think people are like, I don't know what this girl's talking about. And to hear it come from you that you have, you know, regularly shifted gears in your career and thought that the one thing that you were going after was the be all end all. And then it kind of opened your eyes up to see that there's more or there's other ways to do it. And there's really no like right There's no way. formula. And everybody, there, it's different yeah. for everybody. It's just, it's timing and it's just different. It's, you know, everybody has a different experience. So, you know, you, you, you play the hand that you're dealt and hopefully, you know, you get a few good hands here and there, you know? Amen to that. Okay, on that note, we are going to sign off. Michael, wait, I do want to talk about real quick. Tell us about this um, big show you have coming up in Nashville that you just were okay, given. Okay, next, the par- um, well, I do, I, I actually do um, concerts in my studio on September 15th during the Americana Fest. Tim Easton and Mary Gaucher are hosting a show there, which will be really fun. It'll be a daytime free show in Nashville during the Americana Fest on September 15th, but I'm really excited about next June, the Parthenon is going to host me and my work for three months, and I'll be showing a lot of work that hasn't been seen before. Since my book was published, I've still, I've shot probably 150 different portraits, people like Keb Moe and Doyle Bramhall and Daru Jones, who play with Jack White, so I'm going to be showing some of this work that's not in the book. And, um, yeah, it's really exciting. So if any of you guys want to hear more about my project or learn about my book, just check out instrumenthead.com and follow the links. All right. Awesome. Well, anyways, truly a pleasure. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We have listeners from all over the world. And, you know, if you missed us live, you can check it out archived on the link on Blog Talk Radio and also iHeartRadio. And um, so this is pretty much it for our first official interview. Thank you so much to Michael Weintraub and for everyone listening in to Jess Messen Broadcast on Lions Radio Network. See you next week or hear you next week um, Thursday at noon. Bye, everyone. <laughs>